Men's Night. your Bibles tonight, the book of Luke, chapter 9. We'll be looking at the subject of your focus needs more focus. Your focus needs more focus. As a matter of fact, that phrase was made famous by a karate master. Your focus needs more focus. Some of you may have recognized that. You know, when you say your focus needs more focus, uh, or you need to focus more. I've heard my, I remember hearing my teachers and my coaches say that. Uh, we had an old school coach, and and, uh, and I was, we were warming up, getting ready, and uh, we were stretching, and uh, this coach was old school, and I was, I was stretching, and at the same time, I think I was uh, had my head laid back, and I was trying to get the other guy to goof off or something like that. And he came over, and he just kicked me right in the ribs. Boom! You couldn't get away with that nowadays. But, I mean, right in the ribs. I went, oh, coach, what would you do that for? You need to focus. <laughs> you need to, what that meant was, stop goofing off. And uh, I remember I was a sophomore. And, uh, matter of fact, same age Caleb is now. And then uh, later on my senior year, uh, 
I was getting, I was getting, uh, wasn't paying attention. They kept running this backdoor play on me. And, uh, I came over to my high school coach and he said, and this, and every time, and I, and I was playing center in a two, three zone and in that two, three zone and that they would run that back door and he would get it and it, uh, where'd he come from? I, coach called a timeout and, uh, and I came over there. He said, Michael, boom, and just waylaid me, laid me out. I said, man, what happened to Reese? You need focus. Of course, again, that's, coaches don't do that today. And may not have should have back then, but he definitely, I'll tell you what, got my attention. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, we need to focus. They, and many, many times we lose our focus after a great revival. In the book of Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 28, and this is the famous story uh, Luke's account of the Mount of Transfiguration. Luke chapter 9, verse 28, And it came to pass after about eight days, after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there was... Uh, uh, there talked with him two men, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Isn't that neat that uh, Elijah and Moses, and, and if you have your, your, of course, your Bible says Elias, El Elias, but that's just the New Testament form of Elijah, and uh, that they were already talking about him being, uh, that he was going to have to die and uh, all the what was going to have to happen for the salvation of mankind. Peter, when they had, uh, verse 32, but Peter, when they, and they that were with him were heavy, were asleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Yeah, anytime you're in church, so to speak, it's good for us to be here. Let us make... Three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. In other words, knowing that he just didn't understand what was happening. And while he thus spake, there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. Yeah, if I had a booming voice coming out of a cloud and that cloud began to envelop me, I'd be afraid too. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those thing, things which they had seen. And uh, so let's just stop there. And right here, that man, they, you're talking about a service. They had a great service. Now, now we're going to have a few references, but mainly be right here in Luke and uh, in this chapter. But think about this. You know, many churches today, and many times you and I can be, we can have a great relationship with the Lord. And you remember highs and lows in your spiritual life. Man, when you are walking with Jesus and everything's going great, and you're just doing awesome, and things are going smoothly in your life, and but then you begin. As the title said, you begin to lose focus. You don't, matter of fact, how many of you remember saying, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year? 
And you get through four months, six months, or ever how many months, and you begin to what? Lose focus. Or you say, I need to go to church every time the doors are open. But then you begin to lose focus and you don't go like you should. Of course, you are here tonight and I praise the Lord for that. But it's easy. Don't be too hard on people that don't make it encourage them to come to church. But they're just, they just maybe get busy and they lose focus. But folks, when we lose focus, that's when sin, the devil, and temptations and all that happens. Matter of fact, a lot of times our attitude begins to slip. I want you to look at, uh, matter of fact, it, it, if you read the other accounts, you know when they came down off the mountain, the other disciples were, had been working with this man, this young man that was possessed of a demon. And they started saying, hey, demon, come out. Hey, demon, come out. They could not get the demon to come out of this boy, and the dad's desperate. He's saying, I, I want you to help me. And he says in verse 41, he says in Luke 9, 41, Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer or allow you? Bring thy son hither. And, of course, he was coming down. The devil threw him down and tear him. That devil means a devil, a demon. And uh, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. And so, man, they're, they're, not only the disciples start to lose focus, but here's the very first slip up. You know your focus. You need to refocus when your attitude toward each other is sorry. When your attitude toward your brother or sister in Christ is not good. Look at verse uh, uh, 40. Uh, he begins to tell them in verse 44. Would y'all, I like the way the King James says it here in verse 44. Would you pay attention to my words? Let this saying sink down into your ears. Do you realize that I'm going to have to die for you? Verse 45 says, And they understood not this saying, because it was hid from them. They perceived it not, and they feared to ask him what it, what it all meant. And look at the next verse. I mean, Jesus is trying to get them to pay attention. Listen, this business of serving me is serious. And Peter, James, and John, y'all just got a glimpse of what I'm going to look like when I come back again. He was transfigured. He was in a, a glorified form, the Bible says. And his raiment was white as snow. And they couldn't see in the man. Matter of fact, what did God say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so let's go back to church. So we can argue with each other. Well, you know that revival has left. <laughs> There's no revival in the church when you're looking saying, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. I think you're sorry. I think you're an idiot. I think you're a fool. I'm better than you. I deserve Jesus' right hand. I deserve Jesus' left hand. Matter of fact, did y'all know this wasn't the end of it? On the night that Jesus was arrested at the... Uh, Lord's Supper. They're doing the Lord's Supper. Then they go out in the garden of Gethsemane after that. Guess what happened in the upper room? They're arguing again over what? Who's going to be the greatest? I'm, I'll tell you, when he sets up his kingdom, I'm going to be number two. <laughs> when he sets up his kingdom, well, I'll be number three. And I'm going to be, you know, and Jesus is saying, have mercy, guys. Would y'all stop 
bickering and fighting, you know that revival is left. And they said, and... Uh, Verse 46 again, they arose a reasoning among them which should be the greatest. Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child. Apparently there was a little youngin. He grabbed that two-year-old up, that toddler, ever what age. And he set it by him. Illustration, which tells me that, you know, you can take a snotty-nosed little kid, Jesus can, and he says, uh, he's sitting there, he said, oh my goodness, what are y'all doing this to me for? Here comes this kid, and it, what does the Bible say? He set the child right there. That's what it says, by him. He set the child right there, and he says what? Listen, y'all see this youngin? Do y'all see this fella? Y'all have got it. Y'all are arguing over who's going to be the greatest, but matter of fact, with your attitude the way it is, you're going to be last. Because what does verse 48 say? And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least, late, you know what that means? Last. Least, last. Put yourself on the bottom. Lift other people up. Make other people more important than you. And then it says, when you get to heaven, you're going to get the most. You're going to be called great. The Bible says it more ways than one. So my attitude toward others uh, is not right. You know your focus needs more focus if our attitude toward other believers, other people, is wrong. And then notice, they're still not done. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, what about your attitude toward other churches? In verse 49, uh, John answered and said, uh, Master, oh, by the way, there was somebody came along, and we saw one casting out devils just like you did in thy name, and we told him to quit. It says, we forbade him. We told him to quit. Hey, you need to stop doing that. Because uh, he's not with our group. He followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, don't forbid him. Don't, don't do that. For he that, what, is not against us is for us. You know, and that, you know what that likens me. And matter of fact, uh, go ahead and just leave your finger because we're going to stay in Luke. But I want you to head, and my next scripture reference is in John 21. You can head there. So hold your finger. Now, folks, this is wrong. Uh, matter of fact, uh, reminds me of uh, <laughs> whenever the prophet came to Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. And he says, Hezekiah, the Lord has told me to tell you to set your house in order because you're going to die. And y'all remember the rest of the story? He fell apart, started begging the Lord for forgiveness and to get right with God. And he's, and you know what? What God said, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. Now that's an answered prayer. <laughs> Saying you're about to die and he, because of his prayer life, he gets more years added to his life. Well, guess what? A lot of us need to think about our own house. 
You know, a lot of times we're critical of other people, we're critical of other churches, but the whole time we need to set our own house in order. Matter of fact, this is what happened, and I've used it, and y'all have read this, y'all know it. And uh, so basically Jesus was telling the disciples here, listen, that guy was doing a good job. You just didn't realize it, or you didn't like the, uh, the way they did church, or you didn't like their song service, or you don't like the way he ties his tie, or you don't like the way he parts his hair. He's preaching the good news of the gospel. Why are you upset at him? He's preaching what I'm saying. He said, don't tell him to stop just because you didn't like it or he wasn't at our church or he wasn't doing the same things we're doing. And here in John 21, y'all know the famous story. Peter's trying to make excuses for sitting on the fence. Peter's trying to make excuses for and about uh, what. Hey, stop picking on me, Lord. Stop being so mean to me. In John twenty-one twenty-one, Peter said, or seeth him, saith to Jesus. Talking about he's looking at John. And he says, what shall this man do? And Jesus said in verse 22, if I will, that he tarry. You know what tarry means? Sit down and do nothing. Just, if he just sits down and does nothing. Till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So, again, he's telling Peter the same thing he told him a while ago. Don't tell that fellow. He's doing a good, he's preaching the gospel. So we need to stop saying, well, how's our church doing in comparison to other churches around here? Well, how's, uh, how's you know, well, I tell you what, and a lot of people do this with their own Christian life. They'll, you know, I'll go up to them and I'll say, uh, man, you know, you need to come to know the Lord as your Savior or you need to start going back to church. And if they don't want to deal with their own house, here's how people deal with it. What about so-and-so? I'm just as good as they are. Or I know the people that go to promised land. Man, I know how they are at work. And I know how they are out on a Friday night or Saturday night at the deer camp. I know how they are at, you see, and they start, a lot of people, instead of dealing with their own self, their own life, how am I between me and God, they go and they compare themselves to other people to rationalize how good they are or how we're living. Jesus says, "If I, I don't care if he sits on his tail end and does nothing, what is that? To the, you need to get busy. You need to get busy. And over there, back in uh, Luke, when he said, hey, there was this fellow over here preaching, but he wasn't doing it, and he was kind of doing it this way and this way. And he said, listen, if he's preaching the same thing I'm preaching, don't forbid him. You need to pay attention to what you're doing right here. And that's what Jesus was getting at. So our attitude, not only toward each other, not only to, toward the lost, our attitude toward other churches... But the next part is to the lost. And uh, back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. All right. So don't, don't forbid him. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. It came to pass when the time was come. I like, man, this is, this is neat. That he would be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Man, I'm... I'm I've got some business to tend to. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village 
of Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when, in other words, that uh, the way they were acting, they were talking about the way they were acting. They were all upset. Uh, because uh, we don't, you're, you think you, you must be one of those stuck up Jews. In other words, when it says they did not receive him. Well, but you ain't welcome in our house because you're just you're one of those Jews who thinks you're better than us Samaritans. And notice verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? And he said he rebuked them. This is funny to me. He said, you know not. What manner of spirit you are. Now this is this is just neat. He said, Listen, guys, I didn't come to I didn't come into this world to kill people. You, the word there, destroy men's lives, it means kill. Could Jesus man, Jesus could call a fire down from heaven, he could call a thousand angels down and whip everybody. He didn't have to die on the cross. He said, You're missing the point. But a lot of times we see the attitude of the world, and we see the attitude of lost people. We notice what the disciples did. Don't don't be too hard. You say, you know what? I don't want to witness to them because they're they just they just they they rough. <laughs> That's some rough people. I really don't want to tell it because do I really want people like that at our church? I just don't think we want that kind at church. You know what? You know, it's just so. Matter of fact, you know, they just need to, God just needs to take them out. You see, and a lot of times the Bible says they're not only supposed to love the lost and love other people. It's really hard to do. Matter of fact, i tell you one of the most, here a while back they had the Chick-fil-A thing and, and so, supposed Christians holding up signs that said God hates homosexuals. It's something of that nature. And they would, but did you know that God doesn't? And God doesn't want us to do it, even whether somebody was a, and you can think of all the hit, most hideous sins that you can think of, and somebody that commits those sins. Let me ask you this. Think of the most, you said, somebody that uh, uh, does something awful to children. They're in jail because they did something awful to children. You say, well, that's the most despicable kind of human being imaginable. Is there enough, does God have enough grace to save them? Now you're thinking of the most despicable human you can think of right now. And I'm asking you a question. Does God have enough grace to save them? Yet we, now he knows we struggle with this. By the way, don't think that, it would, it's, it's a struggle for any normal person to offer kindness to somebody that we consider, an, an, whatever word you want to use, an evil sinner. You know what I mean? But God told us to extend grace. Now, he says that if you go up to somebody and they refuse to listen to you, remember what he said over in Matthew? Wipe the dust off your feet. But he said, don't stop. Keep going. Go to the next village. Go to the next town. It's our attitude toward lost people. Lost people don't know any different. 
Lost, you say, well, they need to have morals. That's the reason they're lost. <laughs> or vice versa, they're lost because they have no morals, or morals because they have are lost. They don't have a Bible. Did you know this? Before you got saved, how the Bible described you? You who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2. So before I was saved, I'm dead inside. I'm, it doesn't mean that don't compare that to physical life because you can still make a choice as a lost person. You can still choose Jesus as a lost person. You still have will. God gave it to you. But he says, what did they say? Hey, Lord, I'm, we know you can do it. You just cast that demon out. Call fire down from heaven. It would be so awesome. Kill him. That's what they're saying. Give us, let us do it, please, please, please. That's what they said. Read it. He said, guys, you don't understand. I didn't come to kill people. Matter of fact, what's to me the most famous, most awesome verse in Luke is Luke 19.10. It's the very last verse in the story of Zacchaeus. And y'all know it. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the Luke nineteen ten. That's a cool verse because it sums it all up. What his whole life is all about. I didn't come to kill people, even people who would not listen to me, who make fun of me. Did you know he even came to save the people who would spit on him, beat on him, and stab him? And the person who nailed his hands into the cross, the person who nailed his feet into the wood, he died for them. He shed his blood. He said, Father, forgive them. So our attitude toward the lost. You know what this reminds me? This reminds me that We've talked about our attitude toward each other. We've talked about our attitude toward lost people. We've talked about our attitude toward other churches and how that we can lose focus. Well, lastly, let's look at Jesus' Jesus's attitude. In Matthew chapter 9, and verse 36. It's the last one. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and ask Brother Norman and our musicians to start easing up here and getting ready for a hymn of invitation. But this, this needs to be our attitude. Matthew 9, 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Ask yourself this question. Have I lost my focus? It's kind of like these glasses. <laughs> they make the print bigger. <laughs> And it's nice. I can't I can't see if it's right there, but right there it looks great. <laughs> that arm's still long enough. 
I can't even understand stuff. I can't understand printed words without focus, can I? A lot of y'all wearing these glasses. What does it help you do? Focus. How about spiritual glasses? Have I lost my focus? What's important? What is Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church all about? May we not ever lose that focus.